happy uh, Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. Um, glad to see you all here. Uh, I'm going to get started right away because uh, you know, last week I, I had planned on preaching about what happened at the cross, and then this week was going to lead into the resurrection. Uh, but since with the flooding last week and not able to do that, um, Virginia told me Wednesday night that I could preach two uh, sermons today. So we'll be here for about an hour and a half. Um, but uh, So I want to get started right away. Uh, so if you'll turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we will be reading verses 12 through 20. First Corinthians chapter 15, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you'll land in Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 15, and when you found it, if you're physically able, we would ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12, the word of God says, now if... Christ is preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if whom if he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen your faith is futile you are still in your sins then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are all men uh, the most we of all men are the most pitiable, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits for those who have fallen asleep. Let's pray, Lord. Again, we are so grateful to be able to come into your house to worship you and hear a word from you, um, Lord. We just ask that you would fill this fill this building with your presence, fill our hearts with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you will speak to our hearts today as your servants are listening, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Easter 2021, um, we are joined by millions and millions of Christians all around the world that are coming together today to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection is one of the non-negotiables in the Christian faith. Um, there are some theological things that different denominations can um, disagree on, but there are some that you cannot disagree on. The first, Trinity, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christians believe that. That's a non-negotiable. Uh, Jesus lived a sinless life. We have to believe that. If he didn't, then he couldn't be that perfect sacrifice. Salvation is the undeserved, unearned gift from God. And the resurrection of Jesus 
is one of those non-negotiables. Believing that Jesus died for your sins isn't enough. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, how could we be? If Jesus wasn't resurrected, then we don't know that God has power to do that. We don't know that God has power to save us if he didn't resurrect Jesus first. And his sacrifice on the cross would mean nothing if he didn't have the power over the grave. If Jesus hadn't been resurrected, none of us would be here today. I mean, we we might be alive, but we probably would not be in this building. Because if he hadn't been resurrected, the disciples, they wouldn't have shared the word. They wouldn't have spread the word. They would have said, well, the one we thought was the son of God actually died. He's dead. Um, They would have had a lot of questions. Jesus had to be resurrected. The promise of Christianity is that all believers will someday be raised from the dead and be in glory with God. The resurrection means everything to Christianity. It's a non-negotiable. You know, we often think about Jesus and what he did on the cross. But we need to remember that the penalty of sin is not the suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross. It wasn't the people turning on him. They had cheered him just five days before. It wasn't the crown of thorns that was pushed down into his skull. It wasn't the spikes that were driven through his hands and his feet. It wasn't the suffering that he endured on the cross. It wasn't even the physical death that he experienced. The penalty for sin is a spiritual death. It's eternal separation from God. And the resurrection proved that he had power over the penalty of sin. The resurrection is so important, Jesus said it would be the sign that he was the Son of God. You'll remember the scene when he walked into the temple and he saw that uh, there were money changers there. There were people selling livestock. People had turned his father's house into a place of business. So what did he do? He walked in and he flipped the tables over, reprimanded them. And then in John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this to them before. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. He he was telling them that when I die, I will be resurrected in three days. This is the sign This is a sign I'm giving you to let you know that I am who I claim to be, that I am the Son of God. And because we know Jesus rose from the dead, we can also have life after death. But there's some that don't believe in the resurrection. Some people, it's too hard to wrap their minds around the thought of Jesus getting up and walking out of the tomb. 
and I can understand that. It can be a difficult thing to process. And if that's you, you're in good company. Jesus' friends didn't believe it. His own disciples didn't believe it. Jesus' mother didn't believe that he had been resurrected from the tomb, from the dead. The morning, uh, Sunday morning, when they walked to the tomb, the, the, uh, Mary, she, she was bringing oils and spices to anoint the body. You don't do that to somebody that's living. She fully expected for Jesus to be dead in the tomb. As they were walking up, she said, I don't even know how we're going to roll away the stone that's blocking it. I don't know how we're going to get in. They did not expect him to be alive. And when they did get there, and they walked in, and they, they saw that he was gone, what did they do? They ran back to tell the disciples. And what did the disciples do when, when they told them that the body was gone? Did they celebrate? Did they jump, start jumping up and down saying, he is risen? Now everybody's going to know that he was the Messiah. Is that what they were cheering? Did they run into town and get some fresh fish and some bread? Break out the good china because Jesus is coming to dinner tonight. That's not what they did. They were terrified. They didn't know what had happened to the body. They were scared and locked in the upper room, thinking this is going to be the end for them. It wasn't until Jesus actually revealed himself in that upper room that they believed he was risen. You'll remember the story of Timothy. Timothy didn't happen to be there the first time Jesus showed up, and he didn't believe the disciples. He's like, ah, I'm not going to believe it until I touch him myself. But that's important that we have people that saw him. We have eyewitnesses that saw Jesus after his death. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6, if you, if you move up a little bit, it says, after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the great part remained to the present, meaning they were still alive. Most of them were still living, but some had died. Some had fallen asleep. Acts 1, verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. He did so many things to, to prove he it was who he said he was, being alive after he died. Being seen by them during 40 days is speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He didn't just come back and was seen by a couple people. He came back and he was seen by hundreds of people, and he was still preaching the word of God for 40 days. Second Peter verse, or chapter 1, verse 16 says, For we did not follow cunning, cunningly devised fables. We, didn't, we, didn't, we were not following made-up stories. When we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. Jesus was resurrected. And he's not the only person to be resurrected in Scripture. Do you know how many accounts we have of uh, people being resurrected in Scripture? There are ten. Kate, came, Kate and I came up with eight on our own the other day. But we might have come up with uh, nine. We might have miscounted. Because she said I had, I had Dorcas. And I didn't remember having Dorcas. But there were ten. There were ten people in the Bible. There are actually nine and then 
one of them was a group of people. But I want to go over each one very quickly, just so we can see that God has the power over death. The first one was when Elijah was in Zarephath. Okay, there was a famine going on. Remember, he, he, had, he had told the king there's going to be a famine and, and people were starving and dying. But he was down by the brook drinking water and, and there, there was a raven that would bring him food. Well, when that brook ran out of water, God told him to go see this, this woman in Zarephath. And he tells the woman when he arrives, make me something to eat. Make me a sandwich. And she said, oh, I, I, I only have a little bit left, only enough to make me and my son uh, a, a meal. And after we eat, we're going to die. So she was Mary Sunshine, right? She, she was just happy-go-lucky. But he said to her, if you make me something to eat, God will take care of you. So she did. And then every time she went back into her kitchen, what happened? Those jars were filled with oil. God took care of her. But then her son became sick and died. And she did what a lot of people do today. She blamed somebody else for her own sins. She blamed Elijah for bringing the wrath of God into her house because of her sins. So Elijah took the boy, prayed for him, and God heard his prayers and restored the boy's life. That was the first resurrection. Zarephath was in uh, Phoenicia. And this was a pagan city that worshipped Baal, right? They, they, were, they were not a, a, a God-fearing place. They, they, they worshipped many gods, but Baal was the primary one. And by performing this miracle in Zarephath, God showed that he was Lord over all nations. The second one was done by Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha, with an S-H. And... Uh, you may remember Elisha uh, telling the Shunammite woman uh, that, that, that she couldn't conceive a son. He told her, you will conceive a child. It will be a son. And several years after this, well, she, she did conceive. She did have a son. Several years later, that son developed a headache and ends up dying. So she sends for Elisha. Elisha comes, lays on the body, and prays. The boy sneezed seven times. Seven is the number of completion. It's God's perfect work. The boy sneezed seven times and his life was restored. That was the second one. The third one is a very well-known uh, resurrection, also involving Elisha. Uh, the Moabites, they used to come in to Jerusalem and raid the tombs of the dead. They, they, they would take the jewels and things that the, that the dead were buried with um, and steal them. Well, one time when they were doing this, there happened to be a funeral procession going on. And the pallbearers were carrying this body when they saw the Moabites coming in to raid the tombs. So they panicked, and they just threw him in to the closest tomb they could find. Well, it happened to be that when they threw him in, that dead body landed on the bones of Elisha. And as soon as that dead body hit the bones of Elisha, he was brought back to life. And this is significant. This is significant. Elisha was the understudy of Elijah. Okay? And before Elijah was called up, remember, he didn't die. He was called up 
to be with the Father. Elisha had asked him for a double portion of his anointing. And Elijah said, well, that's a difficult request that you're asking of me. But when I'm called up, if you see me called up, then you will receive a double portion. Well, Elisha did see him called up. And when Elijah was called up, uh, it says Elijah's mantle fell off. A mantle is like a, um, like a cape or a robe that they would wear to keep them warm. When, that, when he was called up, that fell off and that fell onto Elisha. But also, Elisha received that double portion. Well, why is that significant? It's significant because in Elijah's time on earth, as he was a man of God, he performed 16 miracles. God performed 16 miracles through Elijah. Well, when Elisha, his understudy, died, God had only performed 31 miracles through him. He was one short of that double. But after he had been dead several years, God fulfilled that promise of the double portion. When that man was thrown onto the, his bones and brought back to life, that was the 32nd miracle God performed through Elisha, fulfilling his promise. God fulfills promises even after we die. If you're a believer, when you die, you will be given life. That is God's promise to you. So those are the three in the Old Testament. Quickly, we'll go through the, the seven in, in, the, in the New. Um, number four, multitudes of people were resurrected. Multitudes of them. When Jesus was resurrected, we hear of the graves opening up and the dead people walking the streets. Think about that. Think about that. You, you, you buried... People, and you go into town, and you see Uncle Joey. Uncle Joey, we buried you three years ago. What are you doing up here? It would have been mind-blowing to see the dead walking again amongst everyone else. You know why that's good news? They never thought they were going to see these dead bodies again. They never thought they were going to see their relatives again. They never thought they were going to see their loved ones again. But God resurrected them. Sometimes we can give up on people, right? Out of sight, out of mind. We, we, we're giving up on them. They, 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 are, they are headed for hell, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. I, I've witnessed to them. I've tried to help them. I'm forgetting about them. God doesn't forget. God can still save regardless of what we do. Number five was the widow in Nain. You'll remember the story. Jesus um, he, he, was, he was walking, and, and, and he saw a funeral procession coming towards him. The mother was weeping. He stops the funeral procession, touches the casket, and the boy sits up. Right? That was the fifth resurrection. The sixth is Jarius. Jarius had a 12-year-old daughter, and she was dying. So she goes to, uh, to Jesus and begs him to heal her. And Jesus agrees to do it. But on the way to Jairus' house, she dies. She dies before Jesus can get there. And Jairus sends a messenger to Jesus saying, don't, don't bother coming, she, she's already passed. Well, Jesus comes anyways. And when he shows up, he sees everybody just mourning and crying. And he said, stop crying, she's just asleep. And they all laughed at him. 
So he cleared the house. He went inside and he took the young lady by the hand and he said, rise. And she got up. I'm thankful Jesus comes even when everyone else thinks it's too late. Don't ever think a situation in your life is too far gone for God not to be able to handle it. Number seven, Lazarus. You know the story of Lazarus. He's a friend of Jesus. Um, he was dying, so Mary and Martha sent for him. They said, Jesus, come quick. He's dying. And what does Jesus do? He runs there as fast as he can, right? No. He hangs out for another few days before he goes to see him. And before he can get there again, Lazarus dies. When Jesus does get there, Mary comes out and she's angry at him. She's yelling at him. She, she's just... If you were to come, my brother would still be alive today. But Jesus says, take me to the body and, and roll away the stone. And Martha says something, one of my favorite words in all the Bible. She says, he's been dead four days, so the body stinketh. The body stinketh. You don't want to roll away that, that, that boulder. But they do. And Jesus calls him out. And words spread like wildfire. When people saw Jesus, when they, Jesus, when they saw Jesus resurrect Lazarus from the tomb, it spread. You'll remember a, a couple days later when he's walking into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. It says people wanted to see Lazarus. They wanted to see what Jesus had done. Number eight was Tabitha. Tabitha or, or uh, Dorcas, as she's also known, uh, was a loving woman. She cared for the poor. She, she would make garments for people. And she died, and, and, and people were very saddened by this. So they called on Peter. And Peter came and prayed over her, and she was brought back to life. And the Bible says this caused many to believe. Number nine well, was Eutychus. Eutychus is, I think, all preachers' favorite uh, stories. Because the preacher was preaching, it was Paul, preaching it late into the night. And it was midnight as he was still preaching. And Eutychus was sitting in the window and he fell asleep. And fell out the third story window down to his death. Paul rushed outside, prayed over him, and his life was restored. So that was nine. Finally, ten is where we come here in Corinthians. And really, he's, the 10th one is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. In verse 20, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits. He says, Jesus is the first fruits of those that die. What does that mean? First fruits, it's the first produce of the season. And it was given as an offering to God. And it would be given in hopes that God would bless the rest of the crop. But it was also a sign that says there's more to come. Right? This is our first fruits. This is the first part of our harvest. But there's more to come. Jesus is first, but we've been blessed because of him. 
And we are the rest of the harvest that will follow. So why did Paul write this letter to the church in Corinth? Well, the church in Corinth was going through a lot. The church in Corinth was Paul's baby. Okay? He loved this church. But they were going through sexual immorality. They were having problems with, with brothers and sisters inside the church taking each other to court. That was not the way they were supposed to handle it. They were arguing over who was the better preacher, Paul or Apollos. They were even arguing over whether Jesus had been resurrected. And that's what he's addressing here. In, in verse 12 he says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? How could anybody in that church doubt the resurrection? Does that make any sense? How could anybody doubt that resurrection? God has shown time and time again that he has power over death. Jesus appeared to hundreds of people, many of them that were still alive at the time. Later on, his disciples would be persecuted, tortured, and killed for refusing to deny the resurrection. Why would they do that if it hadn't happened? With all this proof, how could anyone deny it? If you try to set up a, 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 a couple friends, like maybe you had a best friend, and uh, he'd been single for a while, and you, met, you knew the perfect girl for him. Right, you, the perfect girl you work with, and, and you said to your buddy, you said, listen, um, she's perfect. She, she's funny. She's smart. She's beautiful. You, you're going to meet her, and you're going to want to marry her. So you set them up, and they go out, and, and, and they, they have uh, the best time. And, and, and he comes to you, and he says, I absolutely can see it. I, I, I completely understand what you're talking about. She is beautiful. She is smart. We have the best time together. I, I, I could completely see myself spending the rest of my life with her. But I don't really want to get married. Not now. Maybe not ever. I, I, I don't know if I want to. People make decisions that don't always make sense to us. Right? People can have all the proof in the world. They can have, they, they, they have everything they need to know and still not follow through. You can have all the proof in the world that Jesus was resurrected. He can walk through that door right now. But if you're not willing to believe it, you won't. It's a choice that you have to make. Believing the resurrection is a choice. And nobody can make you say yes to it. I can't make you say yes. I could stand up here and beg people to accept Christ all day, every day. But when I thought about it, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus would show up in a town and, and, and he would start telling stories that he made up. And when he ended his sermons, he didn't end with, oh, it was so great to see you all. Come again next week. Bring a friend. That wasn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, you'll get it. And then he would leave. 
He didn't beg anybody to follow him. He didn't beg anybody to believe in him. I can't make you accept Jesus. All I can do is tell you what he did and why he did it. He did it because you and I are sinners. It's just what we are. It's what we were born into. It's our flesh. Nobody that has ever lived has not been a sinner besides Jesus. We're all sinners. And because of that, we can't be in, pre in the presence of the Father. The Father is a perfect being that cannot be in the presence of sin. We cannot be with him. But he wants to be with us. And the only way that he can mend that wound, to, to close that gap, was to send his son here to live that perfect life that we can't live. And to die on the cross and take our sins upon himself. To pay our sin debt. And after he did that, he was resurrected three days later. He was here for 40 days after, preaching, seen by hundreds of people before he was ascended back into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. That's what he did. And if you believe that, you can be saved. You can look forward to the life that comes after this one. But I can't make you believe. It's your choice if you have ears to hear. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank, thank you for sending your son here to, to pay our sin debts. Lord, he, he didn't have to. But it was the only way that you could reconcile yourself with us, that, that you could close that gap, that we could have a way back to you. And we're so grateful for what he did. Lord, we love you. We love Jesus. We love what he did for us on that cross. Lord, that, that, is, that is a love that I don't know. It, 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 we can't define but you are love. Lord, I just pray that you would help us share that love with others. That you, that you would allow us to, to, to share what you did, what, what, what you gave up for us. Lord, on, on Easter, we, we, just, we just want to worship you. We want to praise you. We want to thank you for what you did. Because the resurrection means everything, not just to to the people in this room, but millions of people around the world and people that have died already. So we're so grateful for that. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us and go our separate ways. Watch over us, guide us, and protect us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.